Hello, welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Ginny. And today we're talking about tough love and belonging. Yes. Um, I just apologize on in the beginning, up in the beginning, up front, that I have a cough drop right now. I've had this very irritating kind of lingering cough. So hopefully I don't cough throughout this whole episode. I was wondering if you had something in your mouth. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, well, I've been wrong before about the haunted <laughs> water <true>. bottle. So. <laughs> um, anyway, I, sorry if I cough all, all over everything. Yeah. Well, otherwise, how are you doing? Good. Um, I told you just now that I'm baking a carrot cake, so my apartment smells delicious. <laughs> and it smells like the holidays, and it's making me very happy. Also, I think that's a great choice to make for a Friendsgiving because it's not a pie, which yeah. don't get me wrong, like I love pie, but like I do, I but like I just didn't Friendsgiving yeah. is your chance to like mix it up a little bit, I think. Yeah, and I frankly, I don't I, I it's not that I couldn't make a pie, but that just seemed that's just it's just tricky. Pie is just trickier and it's more work. And I was like, "You know what? You're not I had people over yesterday and I'm doing this this morning so I was just like you don't have time to mess with pie crust <laughs> basically and I don't have a stand mixer here and I just was like you know what I'd just rather not I but know where your stand mixer is <laughs> you do <laughs> it's in your apartment it's in my possession I have two yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't used it yet though although I'm sure there will come a day where I will need you'll it. need it I'll be like I need another stand mixer and then I'll finally remember that I have one yeah <laughs> in my closet but yeah Mostly, like it's just really heavy it is, yeah. Um, you're doing me a favor by holding on to it. Yes. For, forever. Yeah. I, Most likely. <laughs> this is the, the trick that I'm playing on Jenny that she fully knows about, but she's I pretending do. that she gave it to me and I'm just holding on to it for a really, really <laughs> long time and in 20 years she'll want it back. <laughs> and it's just, when is, there's just never going to be an easy way to give me a heavy mixer. I know. Here. I don't know. Maybe if I one day, like, do my dream trip across the U.S. where I, I drive guess. myself, then I'll, bring it. I'll pack <laughs> okay, it in the car. That, that'll, I'll accept that. <laughs> anyway, but it smells good. Carrot cake's got just enough of the little, you know, cinnamon spices in it to be like, oh, yeah, this smells like fall. Yeah, that How, sounds yeah. awesome. How's your morning? It's good. We got upgraded to yellow from oh, the red and orange that we've had for the oh, last God. few days in terms yeah. of air quality, which means that I think we're, I think yellow is like officially reaching unsafe levels, but yeah. not double unsafe levels that right. it's been for like the last yeah, few days. Yeah, I know. It's so, um, I did, I went outside for like five minutes yesterday, <laughs> so that was exciting. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I was still kind of aware that like, I was like, I should, probably shouldn't be out here without a mask, but mm -hmm. I couldn't smell, it didn't smell like a campfire. Like it was hazy, but like it didn't, mm -hmm. like Friday was just, I didn't even go outside at all Friday. And yeah. like Friday I couldn't see the bay from my apartment, which is not an mm -hmm. unheard of thing. Like when it's really foggy, it's I foggy. can't see the water yeah. either. But I like, I knew that it wasn't foggy. So yeah. Yeah. it was a little terrifying. But I that can see terrifying. the water today and we're officially downgraded to like just marginally unsafe. So. Okay. That's good. I mean, I and mean, I, like, I keep saying, like, I feel like such a jerk because I'm, like, complaining because, like, the air quality in San Francisco is so bad, but, like, like an entire town is gone. I know, just, like, I, oof. It's, but the I think part of it is, like, 
that's a scale that I like literally cannot fathom. Like no. that there's just no town there anymore. And like I can really fathom what's right in front of me, which is that it's actually like you're like, oh, I'll be fine. I'll go outside. And it's like, why do I have a headache after five mm-hmm. minutes? And like, yeah, yeah. No, I it's, just feel it's horrible. Yeah. It's been really lucky. A lot of these fires have been. I mean, they've been all over the state, so probably literally anyone who's from or been to California can say this, but it's like some of them have been close to my house where I grew up, and I'm very thankful that none of them have quite made it there, but it's just luck, you know? It is just luck. I mean, like, everything's dry right now. Like, the entire state is a bunch of kindling, and, like, you know, it, like, okay, Paradise was built near a fire danger zone, and that's part of the reason it was, like, yeah. totally wiped out but there's nothing to say that if it keeps spreading that places that aren't technically fire danger zones couldn't go up as well yeah. like yeah all of Vacaville <clears throat> is surrounded by dry grass exactly. like there's <laughs> yeah. nothing that says that can't spread if it's not contained and like fortunately obviously people are working as hard as they can to contain it but mm-hmm. and like I think it'll just be the third year in a row that I give all of my end of year donations to firefighters like yeah yeah <laughs> it's horrifying but really the answer is that we just need rain and yeah we don't have it yeah, so hopefully soon. Hopefully Wednesday, but yeah. It's just the new normal here. It's so weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I see people on Facebook complaining because they've been getting like a week of rain on the East Coast, and I'm like, one, yeah. shut, like, just <laughs> like, stop, yeah. and two, like, just, okay, fine, mail me all your water, I'll take yeah. it. Like, yeah. It just seems like a strange thing to complain about when, like, mm-hmm. you know, the entire West Coast could use all of it. So. Yeah. But like you said, like it's all over California. Like there's no safe area in California right now. Yeah, like every time there's a fire, it's like it's close to some. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a stupid way to say it, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I feel like my electric bill is gonna go way up because PG and E stock dropped. Like, yeah, basically like to a level that like they have to call in like outside people to like monitor the situation, and like they're already being sued for the campfire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which likely is their fault. I mean, mm-hmm. like, their solution is, like, oh, we'll just turn off the power rather than risk a fire. And it's, like, what if you just fixed the power lines? Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you do a massive project and bury the power lines? But, you know, that costs money, too. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, nothing that'll be an immediate solution either way. No. Um, but on that super episode. Anyway. Note, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're heading into a short week for us because... Our timing is going to be all wonky, but mm-hmm. in, in our world right now, it's almost Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, so let's talk we'll about yeah. Buffy. We will. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this week we watched Tough Love. Um, I mean, I from here on out, I think I like this season. I like where we've ended up, and this episode was not an exception. I really enjoyed it. Um, Obviously, I've got little quibbles because what else would we be doing if we weren't picking? Exactly. <laughs> we wouldn't need a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, obviously this is all picking up from more or less where we left off. Um, Buffy basically is stepping into her new life without her mother around um, and facing a lot of consequences. She has to drop out of college because she just doesn't have enough time to go to school, be the slayer and raise her sister. Um Meanwhile, Dawn is struggling in school, which we have kind of seen, I think, little hints of, but, you know, kind of piggybacking on things that she said previously, I think that between her normal teenage hormones and her mom losing her mom and finding out she's not real, she's not really putting in the effort at school. (laughs) Um, And this is reflecting really poorly on Buffy. So Buffy is... um, 
Well, not just not putting in the effort, but like truant. Straight out not not going. going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Buffy and her have a meeting with their school, with the school principal where, um, you know, we don't see this in the immediate, but later we find out basically that the principal tells Buffy that if things don't pick up for Dawn, there's a chance that she could be taken out of Buffy's supervision, you know, by child protective services or whatever similar, um, group. So Buffy is starting to get really frustrated and tries to really kind of like, put down, put her foot down with Dawn and is having a lot of hard, a hard time doing it. Um, she also tries to enlist Giles to basically perform that role so that she doesn't have to. And he tells her that he can't do that, that Dawn is her sister and that she's the one that needs to take responsibility, not take responsibility like he's chiding her, but basically just he, he's not going to take this, that particular burden off of her shoulders. Um, so as all of this is going on, um, so the rest of the Scoobies are kind of living their lives. Willow and Tara um, try to, I don't know. They're there talking with Dawn, helping her with her schoolwork, but they also are living their own lives. And they have kind of their first big fight, I think, as a couple <clears throat> where, I don't, you know, it's one of those things that starts, I'm getting, I'm taking, I'm getting into too much detail. They get in a fight, decide not to go to this school fair that they were planning on going to together. Um, Willow instead goes to the magic shop and Tara goes to this school fair alone. Of course, meanwhile, Glory is still trying to figure out who the key is last week that her minions brought her spike, who was obviously not the key. And so she decides that she's going to piece it out herself instead of sending the minions to do it. And she decides that while a very clever disguise, the key is obviously Tara. So now that Tara is alone at this school fair, Glory has the opportunity to, um, seize her more or less, though she quickly again realizes that she's not the key. Instead, she does her glory thing and, you know, eats her brain soul or whatever it is that she's been doing, leaving Tara sort of catatonic, breaking her hand. Um, And it's upsetting, generally. Um, Willow comes back almost in the nick of time, except not in the nick of time because she's not able to stop glory from taking Tara's brain or breaking her hand, but she does take her to the hospital and then is left carrying over Tara for the rest of the episode. Um, They're all worried now that Gloria is circling in on them and I'm going to just try and wrap it up. But essentially um, (laughs) Willow decides to go after Glory herself, even though Buffy warns her not to, she tells her she's a God and she's too strong, but Willow heads to the magic shop, reads a book called darkest magic, which is silly, but also great. And then she just goes after Glory. Um, she does a pretty decent amount of damage to her before Glory finally gets the upper hand, but Buffy steps in at the last minute to make sure that they, with her and Willow together, are able to get away from Glory. However, then they basically have to go on the run and go into hiding. They're not sure exactly what to do. They have to take care of Tara, who now can't take care of herself at all, can only mumble things that don't really make a lot of sense. Um, and at the last minute, Glory finds them. And then now that Tara has sort of had her brain meddled with like we had seen in the beginning of this season she recognizes donna's the key and outs her at the end to glory conveniently only once glory shows up that's true but i actually yeah yeah no i I had that that's probably one of my nitpicks yeah i had that thought too yeah anyway i'm sure i skipped over some things and i apologize that was pretty rambly but this is also i think both a uh buffy and angel this week were very plot heavy there was just a lot every scene was something happening and you know, we're gearing up towards finales, so there's just, like, a lot of stuff to get out. But, yeah, so, I mean, like I said, I like this episode. I think 
a thing that really stuck out to me in this episode is Giles. <laughs> and I had, I've kind of thought about it both ways. I think we've kind of touched on this before too, but basically I think generally the show is on, is correct in the way that they're characterizing him. But I deeply personally disagree with Giles's choice to kind of butt out of Buffy and Dawn's life. Cause I got a little bit irritated with him, even though I understand, I think parts of his reasoning are solid, but a lot of it feels, un, I don't know. I don't know. Why, I why doesn't he accept the father role that he kind of has accepted and has been growing towards for the last four, five seasons, you know? Because I think there's a difference. Like, I think that because Giles in some way operates in this father figure for Buffy, but he doesn't do it in the disciplinary thing. Like, she had parents, right? Like, he does yeah. it more in the emotional support role. And, like, so what she's asking him to do with Don is not the emotional support. It's, like, the disciplinarian and, like... That's a line that I think he's right to not cross because he's not Dawn's father and he might be operating as Buffy's father figure, but he's not her disciplinarian either. Like even as her watcher, he's never been able to really discipline her. Like we could argue Giles has never been a disciplinarian at all. And I think yeah. that he's 100% right in that it has to come from Buffy because they have to... Part of their grieving yeah. process is going to be accepting, like, this is their family the, unit yeah. now. And, like, Buffy trying to take, to not take on her mother's roles and sh kind of shunt that burden off onto Giles isn't really the correct way to do it. And, like, in the long run, isn't going to help her relationship with Dawn either. Like, Dawn could just recognize that Buffy doesn't want to take the time to think about mm -hmm. the problems, you know? I mean, like... So It's I kind of dumb that Dawn has never considered that, like... I mean, she, yeah, she's young and she's you know, Dawn, but like she's yeah. never considered that like her actions are going to have an impact on Buffy. And like, I think it's good that Buffy tells her yeah. this is going to be the consequences if you, if you don't up. do it. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And I guess I, I don't disagree with you about Giles being the disciplinarian, but I guess I, again, uh, okay. First of all, the real reason that I got mad at Giles is because he specifically said a phrase I'm paraphrasing, but more or less he said, I'm not her family, you're her family, it's only blood. And I was like, that's literally the opposite of the message that we got from Joyce, you know, before she went into surgery, where she said, it doesn't matter if she's our blood or not, she's a part of our family. And I, you know, and that was a very touching, I think, like, nice message that, like, your family doesn't have to be blood. So again, I think on this, like, personal level, it really graded me that he doubled down on this, like, well, I'm not her blood relation, therefore I have nothing to do with this. And I think that was a silly line. But I think my bigger question again, though, is this, like, it just seems silly that he doesn't either move in with them or that they don't move in with him. You know, why are they not selling this house? Because that's not <laughs> their know? relationship. Like, I, I think that the temptation think... is to think that it is, but it's not. Like, but it that's is. The I thing mean, is like, no, like he's he going to walk her down the aisle. Buffy. He doesn't. No, he's no. Not... Yeah. No, I know he doesn't easily... now, but why not? Why wouldn't he? Because what could easily end up happening is that he just, like, Buffy just decides that he's the caretaker and, like, Giles ends up being, like, a full-time caretaker for Dawn. That's not his job. That's not his role, and it's unfair if Buffy were to expect that of him. It would be unfair I guess I just to think, offer. Like, I don't think it would be unfair to offer. I mean, people step into roles all the time. It I guess be unfair I, to I, himself. I do think that he is part of their family. I guess that's where it's just, like, it just hurts me that they don't just decide they're the family, all three of them. I guess also a little bit of it is me projecting into the future where it's just like, I know that Giles is going to leave and I never agree with that decision. I, 
don't know. It would be different if he had been always wanting to put up walls between him and Buffy, but I feel like he's more and more accepted that, like, they have, if not a a familial relationship, a very close friendship, and it just... Well, I don't know. It just seems like he's letting them flounder. You know, I guess it's the part where, like, Buffy doesn't have a job. She can't pay any bills. Why aren't they selling the house and condensing or something? Why isn't he helping them with that? That does feel like something that he has the experience to do. Because I don't think they've gotten to that point yet where they're considering that. Like, Buffy's 20 years old, right? Like, she's not Mm -hmm. thinking about these things and doesn't even know that maybe she should be. But I also think, like, I just really disagree that that's Giles' job. And I also think... I don't think it's his job. I think he would want to. I disagree that he would want to. Like, Hmm. if we think back to the finale of season four and Giles's like, dream walk that he did... Yeah. It's very clear that he feels on some level that he sacrificed his own family and future to be Buffy's watcher. Like, I guess I could understand him not wanting to say like, like I can understand him being okay with like, that's a choice that happened that he made, but Mm -hmm. like not to replace that, you know, prospective family with Buffy. Like that's not, I don't, I think the other thing that happens with Giles and maybe I'm reading too much into it is like he is first and foremost her watcher, even if his approach is different than maybe any other watcher. But like if they become too much of a family unit and too close in that regard, like how, how is he able to function as a watcher? And no, like, I, I and mean, sometimes I, he is that, that like but... objective observer, like we're going to see what he does at the end of this season. And mm-hmm. like if, if he cares too much about, like, if he looks at, at Dawn as a daughter, how can he make certain decisions? Or I guess that, okay. I, you're right. You're right about that. Um, shoot, I had a reaction to something else that you said, but, um, oh, I, I know what it, I know, I know what it is. And I, again, I don't, this isn't really the show's fault because there's just not time to do this. And you're right to point out that scene in season four um, in the dream sequence. But I do feel like a little bit of the, the problem is that we really never do get, much more about Giles's personal life. So no. while I understand that he has one, it's hard as a it's hard as a viewer who's only seen what they've shown us, which is nothing since one dream episode in season four and the one time he briefly had a girlfriend. You know what I mean? It's like it's hard for me to picture what else is in his life because it does kind of seem like he's been living in Sunnydale for a decade and he's been watching these people and they're everybody in his life. Like we don't really hear him talk about his family. It's unclear to me if any of them are still alive and if he even really liked them because it seems like he had a lot of baggage. So I guess that's where it's kind of a struggle for me to imagine. Like obviously he spent most of his life in England with other relationships, but because we never see it, it does feel like he's choosing something that to me doesn't exist over no, you're right. the people that are in his life. So I, and I, I, you're right that that's not the reality. And I, I do know that objectively, but it's hard when you're watching the show to be like, Buffy is basically your daughter. Why aren't you stepping up? Yeah, Even but then, though I know it's wrong. I, I, I'm not really in disagreement with you. It just, it, it does great on me sometimes, or <laughs> it's just yeah. hard to not see him be more supportive. No, I think you're right. There's no like visual, like, proof of any of this um to kind of back it up and mm-hmm. I'm just going back to that and thinking like we've we've had a glimpse into Giles's psyche and like I kind of understand it and on the other hand you know going back to like what's happening in this episode like you know Joyce did make Buffy Dawn's guardian presumably yeah otherwise Dawn wouldn't be living with Buffy and so I think on that level Buffy does have to learn how to do it because she does that's what she her does mother wanted I, yeah and like you know, shunting it off on Giles isn't the way for her to learn to be Dawn's guardian. And that's true. It it also kind of would send a message to Dawn too of like you don't care enough to try. So yeah, yeah, I, you're right. I guess I'm I just really, saying like I really don't think that was an incorrect 
decision. My real, real beef is that he made a what I took to be sort of dismissive line about what family is. And I just personally don't like that. And and I do have problems later when he leaves, because I I do think there are choices that he makes that I don't agree with. And I think, you know, there's meta reasons that it happens in the show, I think, that aren't necessarily organic to the story. So, yeah, there is well, a little could, bit of like I am obviously looking ahead at things that aren't even happening in this episode. But yeah, I enjoyed this conversation. And you're right to point out a lot of things that I, you know, I get carried away kind of in my like, well, I want him to be their family and I want them to just accept that, even though I know that that can't necessarily be true. I'm still going to be sad about it. It's part of the tragedy of their, you know, commitments is that they can't have normal things. Yeah. She and Giles. Yeah. And, and also I think, um, you know, I, we'll talk about, we'll talk about Giles mm-hmm. when, when the time comes. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited. Oh, I mean, and there's already Giles stuff in this episode. Oh, okay. If we so want to keep I, going. So that, was the, <laughs> that was the segue that I wanted to make because yeah. I want to talk about Giles with the minion. Yes. Because that was a clever it was great, scene. <laughs> but it was also, it also a little bit like we've never really seen Giles like this. Yeah. Really. I, and so it was a little bit like, like Giles was kind of a badass. Like when he like was. the very first thing with the door, when he like mm-hmm. just walks over and like opens the door and shuts and it in the next face. In his face. And like, and then immediately like he's just like cold, calm, collected Giles. And I was like, that is the Giles that we're gonna see in the finale. It and is. Where does he come from? Like what? Well, <laughs> see, I guess that. That's the, then the flip side is that I do remember all. We've had so many hints to his past as this like tough guy. I don't have any problem believing that that's a thing that he kind of has latent in his personality. But we've never really seen it. We have in all those episodes with Ethan. True. I I think we've seen it many times. I think that always felt like more organic, whereas like this just sort of feels like it comes out of nowhere. Like Giles is terrifying and you're just like, like, like he's just one minute like, la la la, you'll be fine. Like, I'm sorry you and Tara had a fight. And then he's just like, you know, ready to like clean his glasses and like poke out some eyes or something like I don't know I guess I thought he was still behaving very Giles like because like you said like he's saying it in the he's not raising his voice he's not getting heated he is calmly explaining to no, the, I think whichever that was minion the part that was terrifying exactly like, but I guess I'm saying that's why it, it I think that's why it does work for me is because it's like it's him behaving exactly as he always behaves except doing the opposite thing of what we normally see him do. But it felt like that's still how Giles handles himself. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, it did not rankle me at all. And in fact, I think what again was really clever about that scene is that they don't, there's just that like, okay, so he hits the demon in the, or the minion in his, in, in, with the door. Great. And then they set him down and they're going to tie him up with some twine. And when he tells Anya and um, Willow to get twine, the camera cuts to them and you just hear crackling in the background. And it's like, we never see what happened. And so for a second, you're like, oh, maybe Giles is like cracking his knuckles to be intimidating. But like, presumably he broke his hand. <laughs> right. I didn't hear that. But oh, I rewound it because I was like, wait a second. What just happened? I'm pretty sure Giles. I I think his hand only because that's what happens to Tara later. But maybe. it's definitely ambiguous. You don't see it. You just hear a crackling. Also, I always watch things with subtitles on. So it's, it's definitely happened. I don't know. I just feel like his mannerisms, like Giles usually comes across as like fumbling almost in the face of like Mm. fighting demons. Like he's never like cool and collected and like maybe it's because he gets the drop on him or something. But like everything about this scene was just like Giles somehow knew that guy was there at the door. Like he knew that, you know, I honestly thought it was an accident that he hit him in the face (laughs) 
at no, first. I don't, yeah. It seemed intentional. So, like, and, like, he went and just opened the door. So, like, hmm. I, I don't know. And then just, like, his general attitude. But, like, that's the no-nonsense Giles who we're going to see who's just, like. I think like, we have seen this, him behave that way. I don't, uh, yeah. I like, like it. I mean, I want Giles him to be. Giles with the flaming baseball bat. When was that? That was when Angel killed Jenny Calendar. Yeah. Well, that was, he was so full of rage then, though. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not saying we haven't seen Giles, like, take care of business before. I just felt like in this particular instance, I was a little bit like, whoa. (laughs) I guess I liked it because I think it is laying groundwork. He's reminding us that he has these personality traits that we haven't seen in a while so that we can get some payoff in the future, you know? Yeah. Um... Also, I, yeah, I mean, I like it. It's like, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it more later, but I enjoy Mean Giles. <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to talk a little bit about the minions and this mission that Glory sends them out on mm-hmm. to kind of go spy on everybody while she goes after care the key. Of what, who she assumes is the key. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one goes to the magic box, and then the ones that I really have a problem with is there's two minions sitting outside the summer's home while Buffy and Dawn have this talk about how, you know, she's going to take Dawn away from Buffy if she doesn't go back to school. And Dawn starts talking about how she's the key and like doesn't need an education, blah, blah, blah. And it's heavily implied through the filming of this scene that the minions can hear through the windows. Yeah. I mean, I assumed that they couldn't or else they would have said something immediately, but it is but the way that it's filmed is like you're yeah. hearing Buffy through the window. I did expect them to have one shot panned out where you saw the window and didn't hear the audio. <laughs> I wonder if they just cut a scene for time or something. Maybe, because that's where I'm like, can't they hear what they're saying? Wouldn't yeah. they go tell Glory that Dawn's the key? Because like at the end, she does find out that Dawn is the key, but only because Tara gives it away. Mm-hmm. But before she finds them, she doesn't know yeah. who's the key. Hmm. I don't know. I just thought that was a little bit sloppy, but... I, I agree about that one, because I, I literally was sitting there waiting. I, I was in my head thinking, like, oh, and they must pan out to show that we can't hear them, and then they never did that, so... Yeah. Um, hmm. Also, Glory makes her minions blindfold themselves during I her bath, that, which... That was great. <laughs> I didn't... No, I don't buy it. I don't feel oh, like she'd I be do. shy about her body, like... I don't think it's that she's shy. I think it's that they're not worthy of it. Okay. I just feel like that's a little... I don't think she's shy at all. I think it has everything to do with her just asserting her dominance over them and making them be more pathetic. I mean, I guess I I just enjoyed her idea of luxury. (laughs) (laughs) Lufa. Mimosa. (laughs) Uh, um, I I forgot to mention Ben in this episode, but the episode actually starts with him or... I guess it starts with Buffy, but he's in the early scenes. Basically, we find out that he's lost his job at the hospital because he's been missing for two weeks. Here he hasn't shown up. Obviously, we, the audience, know it's because he's been, Gloria has taken over his body for two weeks in a row and hasn't shown up for work. <clears throat> I mean, it's obviously like a, a little parallel to, you know, Buffy and her normal life where she's always having, in especially in the early seasons when she was constantly having to explain her absences or, you know, whatever weird things were going on because she was off fighting demons. Now we kind of see Ben is in a pretty similar situation where he's like having to try and come up with a reasonable excuse for something that's obviously not reasonable. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I, I don't know. I, they didn't spend too much time with him, but I, important to know that he's having trouble holding his life together because of this relationship that he has with Glory. Which I think yeah, is still a little unclear. Back to my question of how the hell did he <clears throat> get through med school? <laughs> I think 
Like I, maybe you know, she was more dormant. That's I don't what know. I that's what I was gonna say. I think they've heavily implied that the stronger she gets, the more frequently this happens. And I'm very curious when we get because I honestly don't remember exactly the way they word the explanation of of how they share this body. So I think we'll have to talk about it again when we get to that in the next episode or two. But I'm I think they have at least hinted that the stronger she gets, the more frequently it happens. So I can imagine that, again, for a demon with an infinite lifespan, she's older than the known universe or whatever they've said about her. Maybe she's been latent for 50 years at a time, you know. Yeah. I, I can believe that he had enough time to to get through. But I'm, I, I, we'll have to talk about it again when we get to that explanation because I just i am not sure. Also, if Buffy had just gone on a date with Ben, how much more quickly could they have figured all this out? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah. Well, they wouldn't have figured it out, though. Because of the magic. She would have known that he was missing for, like, two weeks. Mm, like, Buffy would have cared he that he dead. wasn't there for, like, yeah. two weeks. I don't th- think they Like, would've. the magic's clearly not working on the hospital, right? No, 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 no. The magic only stops you from understanding what the no, relationship is. No, I know. Is. I'm saying, like, Buffy would have been like, my boyfriend's missing for two weeks. Where yeah. did he go? Like, you know, that would have maybe sped up some of this stuff. I don't see how it would have led her to glory. They would have just know, assumed he got killed by another him. demon. Yeah. <laughs> Um, true. And in fact, that was, that was another one of my nitpicks with this episode is that this, like, you know, the doctor, it's obviously meant as a joke where he's like, or there's like a demon that possesses your body at weeks at a time, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, honestly, you're a doctor in Sunnydale. That's not (laughs) far-fetched. You you should be a little more open to that as a possibility, (laughs) sir. (laughs) Or at least something demonic, even if it's not like, obviously he hits the nail on the head, but it's like, yeah, you know, there's monsters in this town. (laughs) He could be missing for real reasons. Yeah. Um, something that I don't know, I don't remember if you mentioned it, but we didn't really talk about yet is that, so Ben has lost his job at the hospital, Mm -hmm. but also Buffy has dropped out of school. Yeah. I mentioned that. Yeah. Presented as like, she's just not finishing the semester, but like she doesn't go back. So basically it's the same thing. And it's an interesting parallel I was thinking about. Totally. To Dawn, because like in some ways Dawn is like choosing not to deal with like her responsibilities in class, like, Mm -hmm. you know, because of her emotions and like. Buffy does have the option to, like, quit school rather than have to put up with this, and Dawn can't do that. Right. Like, I thought that was an interesting parallel of, like, she's really trying to, like, you know, convince Dawn that, like, she has to go to school and she has to do all this stuff, and, like, Buffy's not doing that. Well, but I guess the idea, although it's not going to quite get to this point, is that Buffy is quitting to make time. No, I know. But I'm saying, Dawn doesn't have have responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. That might look a little bit counterintuitive that's true i mean i'm not saying buffy's wrong i'm saying like i thought that was an interesting parallel of like both sisters are kind of struggling with the same thing and buffy can just walk in and be like i'm dropping except now she has to like get a job (laughs) yeah i mean her school is voluntary that's the difference yeah yeah but yeah um so i mean i we haven't really talked about tara and willow and their fight yeah which i've mixed i don't don't really have mixed Starts as one thing and then... Yeah, yeah. I don't don't actually have mixed feelings about it. I thought it was a pretty well done scene where it's like, yeah, at first I was like, Willow, what are you complaining about? This is such a stupid thing to get mad about. And then it's like obvious that she's been, you know, the way that little issues build up over time. And then all of a sudden their argument is about completely different things that they've both been insecure about. Um, I thought that part was pretty realistic. I feel like the show thinks that Tara thinks Willow is going to leave her for a man. And I don't... 
I don't know. I didn't quite love that angle, although I bought it as like me. That's Willow's projection onto what Tara is feeling. I think Tara is just worried that Willow's going to leave her, period. Not I don't know why that has to come into it, I guess, is what I'm saying. It seems like Tara's worried that she's going to get she's going to be so advanced and so much better than her that she'll leave her, which feels accurate. I don't know. But I, yeah. I mean, in general, I thought this fight was well depicted. It felt realistic to me that that this is, yeah, that they've got bubbling issues that they haven't dealt with and that one small thing kind of sets you off on this way. Yeah, like, it does seem like Tara's had some thoughts about, like, you know, and I, in some ways I could see it, like, you know, if she's the first, yeah. like, fe- like, woman that Willow's, like, been with and have this, you know, like, there, I could see her having this fear that, like, Willow might, like, you know. Yeah, yeah decide that like she was wrong or something and like I could see like like it doesn't like we even had no indication that Willow would go in that direction but like mm-hmm. I could see how Tara would like that would be like a fear of hers but like I think the big fear really that she said more than right. more than one person is like Willow's advancements with magic mm-hmm. and what that means for Willow because Willow does seem to be changing a little bit like we she does about yeah that. like her her she, rationale she's for magic uh-huh. versus like what's right what's wrong like giving Dawn the book you know, before, like, like Willow's, honestly, Willow has a lack of fear around magic. She does. Yeah. Gonna get her and everyone in trouble. And I can see Tara being afraid of that. And we kind of see that here where Tara, you know, in this really emotional fight that they have, Tara is telling Willow that she's afraid of what, like, it comes out as her saying, like, she's afraid of Willow. She says she's means that she's afraid of Willow's use of magic. And Willow completely misses the entire point of that and takes, and takes herself to glory yeah. Where in a way that she's obviously not ready for. Like she's just yeah. throwing spells at her, but like not really with any kind of strategy or mm-hmm. thinking about like what she's gonna do. And it's a purely emotional <clears throat> place that she's coming from. And we've talked about this before where the the first lesson Willow ever got, or that yeah. she gave us in magic with the pencil, is that you have, you to, have control to be in your control. Emotions. Yeah. And she's not doing that. And, yeah. and she repeatedly proves herself to be unable to do that. Like, that's her yeah, downfall that's with true. magic always yeah. is to not control her emotions. Yeah. Because she uses magic from an emotional place. Yeah. And she's doing that here. Like, she's she's sad because they had that fight, but she's also upset because Glory took Tara. Mm-hmm. And she took Tara when they were fighting and, like, all of this. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying Willow's wrong to be emotional about no, this. No, of course. But, like, then she tries to bring magic into it. And she, she has yet to learn that lesson that you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And this is just the beginning of, like, what we were going to see in the future of, like, you know, Willow's yeah. got the black eyes. She's got everything. She's yeah. using magic Darkest as magic. Yeah. It's Darkest revenge. magic. <laughs> and, it's, and it's so interesting to me that, like, in, in Willow's mind, the revenge on Tara is to do exactly the thing that Tara had just told her she was afraid of. It's true. Yeah. Clearly, lessons are not sinking in. And I no. uh, i mean, I really appreciate the, like, honestly, the foreshadowing. You know, I, I think especially not knowing if they were going to get another season or not. I think this is a nice story in and of itself. But I also, you know, obviously this is going to come up again, as we've talked about many, many times. Um, I, yeah, I liked it a lot, though. I think it's very it's very true. You know, the way that I'm sometimes questioning maybe some other things, if they're true to the characters or not. This is 100 percent true. They had a fight. She's mad and she's hurt. And she's going to be irrational and go out after glory in a big way with a vengeance. And I think that is very spot on. You know, it was very fun. Not, you know, not, I don't, I don't know. I don't always have the, the right words. It's not fun to watch because it's terrifying and she's making poor choices, but it was yeah. satisfying. And I think the thing that this really calls out to me is that 
the reason Willow is allowed to go down this route with magic for so long before anybody attempts to tell her that it's wrong is nobody's calling her out now. Like, yeah. Tara's the only one Who suggesting any it, kind yeah. of hesitation about it, but she's doing it in her kind of awkward Tara way, and Willow's not listening. But, like, Buffy's, you know, telling her you can't go up against Glory, but she's not saying this isn't the right approach. She's, like, worried about she her She just friend. thinks she'll get killed. Right, and Giles isn't telling her this isn't the right use. Like, like right. nobody's telling her the right things. Like, everybody's, like, saying it's true. you can't go get revenge on Glory because she's too strong. But, like, and the, that's true. But the other answer is this isn't the right way to I, use magic. And I think in everybody else's defense, I mean, as we already mentioned, there's just so much going on right now. Yeah. You know, they immediately, they don't even have time to register what Willow has done because before they even can eat their sandwiches, Glory shows up. You know what I mean? Like, this episode yeah. ends on a, like, whoops, we're not getting any time, any downtime. So it's like, yeah, they probably, maybe if things were a little different, they would have had time to reflect on it and say, Willow, like, this is, here's how we're going to have this conversation. But they immediately have to go back on the defense and I just don't think there's time for that. I, no. I mean, also, and, you know, like, Xander's not really around for it. Maybe he would have said something, but he's not totally aware of it. But I I mean, but ultimately, I think, I, think they're has, just, I think they're just too busy. I think they're too busy. And I think also, in some way, like, everybody has selfish reasons to kind of allow her to do this, right? Like That's if, true. That it's going to help them. If using magic mm-hmm. gives them an advantage, then why not take it? And then yeah. I think what we're going to see in the next season yeah. is if, if Willow's magic, like, brings Buffy back like they're gonna let her do it like right yeah yeah that's a good point it's just all wrong it is. but nobody can take the time and like look at it I guess I I feel like there is a little tiny aspect of this like fate to it though where it's like yeah. if only somebody had the time to say it they would but the things are moving so quickly that we never get that chance it feels a little yeah. bit destined yeah because like as you say like it's literally like they get a beat like it's literally the next morning yeah and Tara's come home and somehow glory finds them immediately yeah 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 rips the wall Um, off which is funny to me though because i guess glory isn't processing any information from these brains like when she's kind of eating them like she doesn't learn what Mm -mm. tara knows when she Mm -mm. takes so that's kind of interesting to me um and of course tara even though her hand is getting broken and she's obviously in a lot of pain like she's not yeah dawn and of course (laughs) Of course not. It's Dawn. Uh, and and it's Tara, who's it, just... No, it's Tara, but Tara, like Tara yeah. really cares for Dawn. And well, I like, guess, yeah, I think that is a really great scene that just highlights Tara specifically. And like, I think we've seen over and over again that she's really emotionally strong for everybody around her. And I think this was a nice time that we also get to see that like, obviously also Glory was threatening to kill everyone else <laughs> if, if yeah. she screamed. But I think also, yeah, Tara, obviously she's not going to betray them, but I think she's just so strong emotionally that it's just very admirable. Yeah. And even, I mean, and then this is also, I mean, like the humor in this horrible scene is yeah. like Glory's twisted view of things, of yeah. like yeah. accusing <laughs> Tara of lying to her. Yeah, of course. <laughs> when yeah. it was the yeah. monks who, and who like led Glory to her own assumptions and Glory's yeah. like, why did you lie to me? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like insane. Like, I, I do love she, the way she plays Glory though. Every, I, yeah. I, I think it just like adds, like, like you're watching this does, horrible yeah. torture scene, but like at the same time, it's funny because Glory is just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> But it, I, but again, I like totally believe that that's how she is. You know, she really, that's how she's processing this is like, I can't, she believes that Tara lied to her, even though obviously Tara yeah. has said zero words to her. Ugh. Um, well, I, I do think this is the, as the, you know, resident Dawn defender, this episode was 
the the first time I've really been annoyed with her almost from start Thank to finish. You. I <laughs> the skipping school is obviously stupid and I don't agree with it. If that if it were just that, that would be fine, but I don't know. They just made some weird mostly it was I think in the past I've and I think she's been fine acting out the emotional scenes in this one. I did not buy it, but more importantly, her scene with Spike. Her scene with Spike. I, Spike, like I thought was bad. Was yeah, bad. I agree. Yeah. And it. I wasn't gonna say it. because no, I'm it's fine. In the minority, it but like, you're not I the minority. There's only two of us. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I didn't like it. And I think really what hit the hit it home for me is that the stupid scene at the end where they're eating the sandwiches, and it's like we've gone this whole season, and you guys now have no excuse to be writing her like a five year old. What fourteen year old was putting like salami and peanut butter or whatever gross thing she did? I was like, what? How old is she again? Like. That was really, that was where I was like, okay, everything is just confluencing to make this bad again. You know what, I actually didn't take that as, like, her supposed to be young. I took it as, like, maybe the monks, like, got some wiring wrong. (laughs) Okay, I mean, I like that as an explanation, but I just feel like it made her look like she was six. You know, and again, in the beginning, when it was easy to be like, okay, well, they haven't figured out how old she is yet, like, sure, you're gonna have some missteps, but this is the end of the season, like, she's 14. I guess we can chalk everything bad about her up to the monks missing, (laughs) missing things. I'm just going to resort to that. Now you've given me that excuse. I'm going to fall back on that a lot. <laughs> that's, that's what I had to fall <laughs> oh, back was on. The because otherwise, yeah, it's just annoying. But yeah, I appreciate the sentiment behind that scene. I don't think she pulled it off. I don't think Michelle Trachtenberg pulled it off. Um, but I think James Marsters hit it out of the park. I think he kind of brought that scene grounded, grounded it a little bit. I, I really we didn't even really talk about him. No, I mean, he wasn't. He, he's still recovering mm-hmm. from being tortured by glory yeah. last week. But yeah, that scene where he makes Buffy realize that Willow is on the warpath. Yeah. Like, and it's stupid of her to assume she talked her out of it. But I also his I, I mean, I think him comforting Dawn was also good. I, I appreciated, you know, again, she's kind of flail, flailing acting wise of trying to get out this like really heavy scene. And I think he did a much better job of kind of encapsulating like, well, I'm complicated. And obviously the things that you're saying are wrong. And I'm another example of the way that these things are not black and white, but I thought he nailed it. Yeah. I just love James Marsters, I guess <laughs> that's a surprise to no one. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, I'm glad we got to see him. I'm glad we got to see that Buffy is still relying on him to watch after Dawn, that she, he's now her go-to, you know, and so the next line of defense. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely taken on a different role, mm-hmm. even though whatever emotional issues Buffy might be having with him, mm-hmm. like, regardless of his gross behavior with the Buffy bot, he's still proven time and again that right. he's allowed to step into the role of like extra protector. Well, I mean, I think he really went above and beyond in the last episode to prove that he can be yeah. trusted with this one thing, you know, yeah. which is an important thing. It's the yeah. key and Dawn and her sister. So yeah. yeah, I feel like I've gotten away from this, got away a little bit cause we've just been going into so many little details, but I, I really like this episode. I really like the plot line that glory thinks it's Tara. I think that makes complete sense, you know? And again, it really highlights how clever the monks were to really bury her in something that's existed the whole time instead of bringing somebody new into their group. But then mm-hmm. it's also just so sad because we, I've really come to love Tara this season and yeah, I mean, we don't, it, you know, you don't know what's going to, what's going to happen. And if she's going to be in this state for the rest of the show or what exactly where this is all going, I, I thought it was great emotional stakes. I thought it was very sad to have it happen right after a fight, but also, you know, worked out in its, you know, made it more resonant. 
but I like this episode overall. Yeah, and I wonder, does Glory know that Anya is a demon or a former huh. demon? Is that why she didn't, didn't go after her? Go after Anya? I don't know. I don't know. Because she and Tara are not that far apart in their newness, really. No. I mean, like, not in a way that an outsider would probably be aware of. So. Yeah, hard to I say, I guess. I wonder if that's the. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. I guess in the way that she knew immediately that Spike was a vampire, I guess if she's doing her own reconnaissance or when she's finally stepping up to put in the effort, I mean, she's much smarter than her minions. Yeah. Maybe she was able to reason it out or they heard something. Yeah. Um, I think they also know that she's not as close to Buffy. You know, Buffy isn't ever really protecting her. Not that she's really been protecting Tara. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit like on one hand, like it makes sense if they would think it's Tara because she's new. But on Mm -hmm. the other, I really don't know what evidence they would have to believe the Slayer is protecting her. But yeah, that's true. um, Maybe they thought like Willow was the protector. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, So one thing I thought while I was watching this episode um, in the scene where Glory is breaking Tara's hand. Mm -hmm. Did it remind you of um, the fifth season? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, now that you say it. <laughs> I was like, oh, because it's kind of like this theme yeah. of like, people getting their hands broken. Ugh. And I was like, oh. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> anyway, that made me think of that. Mm. Uh, do you guys want to get in on that? Read the fifth season. Yeah, so, get in on anyway. that hot ref. Um, yeah. I have to say, I had just been, uh, I was like window shopping on work, uh, after work on Friday, and then I watched I must watch this right after this. We've I I feel like we've really hit the timeline where all the fashion of this oh. year is everything that is back in fashion now. I was just like everybody is wearing velvet, and I like after window shopping around like a few stores, I was like literally everything in this episode could be in a store right now. <laughs> it was just cracking me up. I was like, oh, we've really this is just the way it works. Like um. Just Willow's everything. Head to toe velvet. Willow's head to toe velvet. I don't remember what everyone else is even wearing. I just remember the whole everything. I was like, I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that. I would wear that. It's <laughs> a lot. Also, Buffy's hair continues to look great. I know that's not important, but it just stands out. Yeah, I think Willow's hair looks good too. Yeah, it does. You're right. Hmm. Yeah, I, I did wonder though how Dawn was supposed to somehow be fitting her homework in that teeny tiny backpack, but you know, it's well. magic. I won't question it. She's probably not in AP classes, Allie. I think and she's not even going to school. How does she have a exactly, book? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> maybe that's the problem is she can't fit her books in her bag. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway. Anyway. I'm not, I'm not really faithful that the Sunnydale school system is rigorous. I agree. So. Yeah. Hmm. Um, all right. After all, Buffy did graduate, so... <laughs> but Buffy's smart. She got a 1400 on her SAT. She's smart, but she never went to class. Yeah. <laughs> She's getting by on just how smart she was. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Shall we move on to Angel? We should. To Belonging, which just right off the bat, I, I just want to say, like, sometimes I don't feel like I like the names of the mm. Angel episodes. Like, they tend to use them to, like, make the thematic point that the episode doesn't really yeah <laughs> I agree so I feel like this one was really trying to tell us something that like I don't know if the episode backed it up but mm. or at least not fully but anyway okay we'll get, well, we'll get, get into um, that yeah so everybody is out at dinner celebrating because Cordelia got a commercial and she's you know gonna be at least 
for the moment, marginally successful at her other career, her acting career. Mm -hmm. Um, So they go out to a fancy dinner where Angel's just complaining about the prices and Cordelia's eating the food just, you know, unguilty. Um, We hear that she's had another vision that the gang is going to follow up on while she's away filming her commercial. Mm -hmm. And then she gets food poisoning. (laughs) So um, the next day she, like, goes to her commercial. Mm -hmm. You know, she's... um, dealing with, like, really asshole directors and, like, the indignities of, like, being a low-level actress in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. This is, like, a very Me Too-type moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Angel kind of crashes the set because he's got questions about the demon, and he's, like, witnessing all of this, that Cordelia is, like, this humiliation that she's putting herself through mm-hmm. for this chance. Um, meanwhile, the gang is waiting on information so they can go and kill the demon. They're kind of trying to decide how to do it. Um, And Lauren, or sorry, the host shows up and um, tells them that there's this, like, demon that has come through a portal at his club and is, like, on the loose. And he's, like, really adamant that they need to kill it. And he's kind of short on details except for the part where they need to kill it. Mm -hmm. And um, they're still kind of trying to decide how they're going to do this. And they're all being pulled in, like, different directions. Like, Wesley calls his father and is trying to, like tell him the good news about being the leader of the team and Mm -hmm. his father is a little bit unreceptive to this news and Gunn is hearing from his old crew that they need some help fighting some vampires but really what they need is just his truck Mm -hmm. so he's feeling a little bit torn in two directions and then all of this kind of comes to a head Cordelia gets another vision Mm -hmm. where she sees this woman disappearing into a portal and spoiler alert it's Fred Mm -hmm. yay so um, and so she takes everybody, they go to the library where this vision was and find out that this woman, Winifred, had worked at the library like five years ago and had just disappeared. And so they go to the section that she was working in and they find this book and mm-hmm. Cordelia reads some words and opens another portal and this demon comes through and turns out it's um, the cousin of the host, who mm-hmm. we learn his name is Lorne, which is a shortened version of his name that I won't say. Yeah. So, <laughs> his long thing? demon name. <laughs> so we get a lot of, like, hints that, like, he left his home world in mm-hmm. disgrace <clears throat> and um, has not been, like, his memory has not been esteemed in the meantime. Mm-hmm. So his cousin, like, goes off hunting this other demon and, you know, they find it and kill it but then his cousin is injured and so um they go back to the club to open a portal for him to go home and um get cured i guess and um when the portal closes cordelia is also gone and yeah yeah and in the meantime guns like old crew like one of his friends got bit by a vampire and killed Mm -hmm. and so gun is kind of facing this idea that like he hasn't really been there for them yeah so um, and I only bring that up because I think it's really supposed to go along with the theme it of is. belonging. Um, well, I have to say I generally agree with you about the titles, and in particular, I think this, yeah, this one is very on the nose. But I did when I was watching the episode. You know, like we see Cordelia in the restaurant, and some she had some other moment, and then we see Angel being sad about something, and then we see Wesley's phone call with his dad, and I literally had, I was like, almost said out loud, like, oh, well, Gun's up next, like, we have to see his sad reflection on his, where he came from, and then immediately his friends walked in the door. So I don't think it was not 
sketched out. I do think that it was a, no. I, I do definitely think I was like, oh, they're putting them all in this position where they have to reflect on where they came from and where they want to go. And they're going to have to make this choice together. Um, no, I think you're it's right. certainly like, on the, the episode nose, is but I doing the work to tell you something, but I just don't know that it agrees. Like belonging to me is like, yeah, I guess, you're right. I guess you're right. But I did. I, it, yeah. yeah, I do think it was like, clear to me that we're reflecting on where they all came from and where the show is going to go, where they and the yeah. show are going to go, I think was to well. To me, it's more like they all have a bit of dissatisfaction with their current circumstances, right? Like Cordelia wants the freedom to try to live a normal life. Mm-hmm. Wesley wants his father's approval and Gunn wants to be able to like somehow serve his old crew and his new one. And Angel, we mostly see, just wants to feel the sun on his face. Yeah. So like... That, to me, is, like, everybody's kind of hoping for something a little bit different, but, like, this whole idea of, like, they don't feel like they belong somewhere, well, I don't know if that's really... I, I, but I mean, it, that's, that's a quibble. Like, it's not really important. It's just, like, I was annoyed that it was, like... Mm. Like, sometimes I feel like the episode titles really try to force something that doesn't... I guess the other there. difference is that I kept... That when we started watching it, I forgot to look up what the name was, and so I didn't look at it until after I was done watching the episode. And then, I think as, like, a coda, it makes a little bit more sense than, like, as something... Knowing it ahead of time, that's, like, trying to force you to look at things a yeah. certain way. Because I, I do think... It's not just that Cordelia wants to have freedom. She... I think is also, as are many of them, realizing that they finally got what they thought they wanted, and it's not what yeah. it was supposed to be. You know, she finally gets a, a probably well-paying gig and instead she has to humiliate herself and do all these things that she would never accept in her normal life. You know, Wesley is finally the leader and it still doesn't feel right to him and he's chokes kind of all throughout this episode. You know, Gunn, I guess it's not quite the same parallel for Gunn, but he is, yeah, is he's just being pulled in two directions and he's going to have to give up one or the other, I think. See, I feel like Gunn was the one that actually made the most sense for belonging. Mm. Because, like, he's trying to figure out which world he belongs in. Like, can he be in both or does he have to give up one to protect the other? I guess I think they're all going to have to give up something. And I do appreciate that they're facing this moment at the same time, which, you know, suggests that they're probably all going to choose to be together (laughs) as a crew or as a group. Not together, together. Um, Um, But, yeah, yeah. I mean, in general, I liked this episode. I've got one big quibble with it, but I... I think, again, like the Buffy episodes, so much happened. Like, I am a little, it was a little bit shocking. I was like, oh my God, like, so many things have happened. We had this big reveal about Lauren. Everybody has their own individual plot line while also having this one with the, like, monster that Lauren brought in. And then we find all those backstory about Lauren. And then the episode ends on a cliffhanger that's, like, clearly going to still, you know, yet to be resolved. Um, it was a lot. <laughs> and we get little hints about the world that Lauren is from, mm-hmm. which is delightful. So we will. <laughs> Doesn't seem to have a lot of vowels. <laughs> no. Yeah, we get this hint about Fred, which, like, is obviously, again, still open. We didn't get any closure on that. Um, I think my big quibble uh, was, I mean, on the one hand, I obviously appreciate the Cordelia scene. I just think (sighs) this show is not as, you know... What's, oh, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is. They're not as evolved as they think they are, I guess. And it kind of grated on me that, like, I appreciate this scene with Cordelia where we see that, like, she's being objectified, she's being humiliated, they're talking down to her and being very rude to her. She's clearly there because she has a great body and not because of anything else. Um, but she's going to be in the same outfit in the next couple episodes. You know, I'm just like, I'm not sure how much better show, the angel the show is at treating Cordelia. And that really bothered me. I think specific and all, and again that like I think you and I have had conversations about how in Buffy, 
Buffy is, and everybody is very attractive, obviously, and they're very cool, but the camera, in my recollection, never lingers on her in a way that is disgusting. Even when she's having sex with Angel or having sex with Spike or doing whatever, you know, it's not objectifying her in that same way that it was doing, you know, Cordelia was just standing there. And, you know, in this episode, it was to make a point, but it's not always going to be. So we made a point of pointing out, a point of pointing out, sorry for that reason, when Buffy and Faith switch bodies. Yes the camera lingered on Buffy in a way that it doesn't, in a way that was noticeable. Like that was, and that was, I think, intentional, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's faith. Yes, I agree. The camera and Cordelia, or I should say Charisma Carpenter, Mm -hmm. the way they're doing this on Angel, because yes, they're making this whole like statement. How gross are directors in Hollywood? The gross behavior of the director and the fact that Cordelia just took it. And yet Angel's relating this story to Wesley and Gunn and he's talking about what Cordelia's wearing and they all take a moment to like imagine about it. Yeah. And I'm like, you can't have it both ways. Like I think it's played for comedy, but it's also like like you can't be like horrified and like taking some moral stand on Cordelia being objectified and then turn around and objectify her. Like, and again, that doesn't work. This isn't the, it would be also, maybe I would have let it slid slid if I didn't know for a fact that she's going to be wearing the same thing for two episodes. Right. So I I just think, I think that that's intentional. I I agree. Cause she's makes a lot of, or they make a lot of statements about this about how she was basically like being treated like a slave or like whatever and like we're gonna see like that happening sort yeah i mean i'll we'll obviously talk i don't remember all the details i remember many of them but i'm yeah we'll see we'll see but 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 the issue i had was like angels like you know grumbling about this objectification yeah and and then then immediately turns around and objectifies her in literally the exact same way exactly less gross behavior maybe but it's still the same thing and it's like I feel like the show undercut its point and I think if it were Buffy if it were an episode of Buffy we would have maybe seen her disrobe and but the she wouldn't have been on camera in the bikini for a minute at a time you know what I mean where it's like yeah it's okay that that's I get that that's part of the story so it's not I'm not offended that she is wearing a bikini on this suntan lotion set where they're making a point about her but I think that her and Angel are standing there in the frame together for a while is like, that's where it's like, okay, so you're doing it too. The camera is also objectifying her. She could easily be shot from the neck up or put, I don't know. There's just, I think there's a lot of alternatives that would have made it feel a little less gross. So yeah, somebody is taking pleasure in like doing this. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we've ever really seen anybody on Buffy in a bikini. Like, no, I think one time they went to the beach and Buffy's wearing like a wrap. Yeah. Like, and we saw Willow one time where I guess Willow's midriff got shown in that episode, that Halloween episode, but I don't know. It was never quite as disgusting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Like maybe there's a level of comfort with this. Like maybe I, Charisma Carpenter was like, that's fine. I, if yeah, you I do, do this. Or, yeah. And it does in some way serve the story. So like, I get it. Yeah. But like, I think my big thing was like, they're trying to like, they're just trying to have it. it both ways. Yeah, exactly. It was very yeah. irritating. Um, and I guess, you know, ultimately, it's just also because I've just really obviously grown to love Cordelia and I just want <laughs> I just want better things for her as a character and as an actress. And oh, well, I'm I'm I still overall enjoyed this episode. It didn't ruin the episode for me or anything. I just think it was definitely notable, like worth pointing out, like, hey, guys, you're not as cool as you think you are. <laughs> yeah, Um I loved Lauren, of course. I'm happy that we finally yes. learned his name, even though I've refused to call him the host this whole time because I just can't be bothered. Um, 
It's like Gravlorn Swath of the Deathlock Clan. Or something. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. It'll just call him Lorne. Or Lorne yeah. Green, as he Lorne prefers Green. to not be called. <laughs> um, yeah. But I yeah. really liked getting his backstory. I'm excited to hear, hear even more about it. Um, but yeah, I really, I really, really like the idea. I guess to circle back to this idea of belonging, that he didn't belong in his former universe. That's why he escaped to live in LA and that he's clearly got interests and uses his power in ways that are completely frowned upon where he's from, but we've seen him be really happy here in LA. So I don't know. I'm yeah. I just continue to be a fan of Lorne. I'm happy with the choices that he's made and I'm excited or hopeful that he'll get to continue to make living his life, continue to get to live his life the way he wants rather than, the way that it was prescribed. Yeah. Um, no, I think like, yeah, obviously I, I, I agree mm-hmm. with all of that. Speaking of the family though, and mm-hmm. like this idea of like doing something that they think you're supposed to do or whatever. So I thought Wesley's conversation, it was oh, short yeah. with his father, but I thought it was really interesting because yeah. we've only gotten a little bit of indication of Wesley's like background mm-hmm. and <clears throat> obviously the Wesley now is like very different and will continue to be more different mm-hmm. than what he becomes. I think honestly that meme on election day was, <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> I think the reason I loved it so much is because it's also so true to the show. Exactly. No, I just like um, reminders of Wesley and how far he's come. <laughs> yes. But I, what's interesting is as Wesley becomes more what we think of as like the better version of himself. He seems to be going farther and farther from what like his parents might think is a good mm-hmm. version of him. And so I was just wondering, have we ever gotten background? Like do like, cause you know how Giles talked about like his mother was a watcher mm-hmm. and like, as he implies that it's like this hereditary job. Yeah. Have we learned which of Wesley's parents might've been a watcher? No, but I would assume it was also his dad since we've really yeah. only had flashbacks about his dad. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I just thought that conversation was really interesting. Like it was, and he's giving him like good, successful news, and it's still taken mm-hmm. as like less than he should be doing. And I mean, I think really the first or only time that we've gotten much of this was when they were in maybe season one. There was like an exorcism episode, and the demon started taunting him as his father. So it's like clear that his father isn't just disapproving. I think he was also abusive. Um, right. Yeah, I don't know. I I. Um, I mean, I think it's a good personal development storyline. You know, we've seen Wesley start to be really a lot more confident. And, you know, in the beginning of the episode, him and Gunn are having fun kind of planning their next attack. But he's not all the way there yet. Or even as far as he gets, he's always going to have this self-doubt, kind of lingering self-doubt that I think is just so ingrained in him that I'm not sure he'll ever be able to get out of it. It's upsetting, but it's also like no one is ever going to be able to be perfect, so... And Wesley's character is something I enjoy talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, he's like my favorite because yeah. I think his arc is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this little nugget that we get in this episode was, um, see, I don't know that it really belonged this idea of like, or belonged. I'm doing this again. <laughs> I don't know that it really was like relevant to this idea of like belonging. And it was more like about like pr- approval and like, kind of affirmation that you're doing the right thing in life, but yeah, I, I guess in that sense, I think you're right that I, I really don't think belonging is the only episode. The, the theme. I don't know I, why I'm I harping really, on this I, so much, yeah. but I feel like if you're going to use like these one name things to like, yeah, 
convey what your episode is about. I just feel like it occurred to me that Angel is like really bad at it. I I really felt like the message was a lot more about everybody taking stock of where they are. Everybody is yeah. reflecting on the last year or so of their life and what things have changed and what things haven't and what I, I think reassessing their goals is a lot more the, the thing. And I think that works better because they're all doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and in some ways I feel like the only character who wasn't really doing that oh, was right. Angel. Angel. I was just, yeah. I was just going to say that Angel wasn't really doing too much. Like um, he had that brief moment of like, Oh, I'm in the sun or whatever, but yeah. he didn't like, he basically spent the entire episode like grumbling about the price of food. Mm-hmm. Like, but which to be fair, like sashimi and couscous does not sound like a good combo, but no. And did Cordelia really get food poisoning that quickly? That's all of this was questioned. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wow, yeah. that is fast. I kind of thought they were going to retcon it or not really retcon, but like give a different explanation to it being tied to her vision at some somehow, but they didn't ever quite do that. So no, she, she ate it. And if like, if she were to get food poisoning that quickly, it would have had to taste terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but well. again, quibbles. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I wouldn't eat sashimi anyway, but for some reason, like sashimi and pasta to me does not sound like yeah, a good that combo. does sound not great. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um, I'm excited where this episode left. I'm excited where it's taking uh, us. I yes. I do, and as much as again, your quibbles about the title. I really wasn't thinking about the the theme of belonging. I was really more thinking about the theme of them all leaving or moving on from what they thought they wanted and growing together. And I think that is well orchestrated in this episode. I think it's clear that, you know, obviously we saw in the last scene, I think it's not a spoiler to say that, yeah, Lauren Gunn and, or Lauren Wesley and Angel are going to go after Cordelia. They are not going to just leave her in another dimension, (laughs) you know? So I, I don't know. I mean, I think we've always enjoyed the episodes where the team is bonding and, especially now that they're adding Lauren to the mix. I don't think that's a mistake. I think it's going to feel even more satisfying. So I'm excited to watch them continue to grow together and leave, leave their old kind of old versions of themselves behind or be ready to move on. Which is something that I think we'll talk about more because I do think that something that I do really love about the next set of episodes is one, they're delightful, Mm -hmm. but two, that is the overall effect of like everybody kind of moves through their stuff and they come out with a much more, kind of positive outlook on life and which is I think why the final moments of the finale of this season are so powerful Mm -hmm. um but we'll talk about that when we get there um in the meantime I also want to second your idea about the fashion being the perfect moment (laughs) in time because I feel like Cordelia's jumpsuit was amazing literally I was like I I would wear that in a second yeah (laughs) Yeah, no totally I had that thought too I was like yep we're really just there (laughs) yeah 100% yeah Hmm. She's not wearing shiny, satiny, olive green pants anymore, mm-hmm. and I'm all, I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I think that's all I got. Mm-hmm. Me too. Next time we've got Spiral on Buffy, mm-hmm. which I think we can assume where that's going, mm-hmm. and Over the Rainbow mm-hmm. on Angel. I'm very excited for Angel for once. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm going to like this, or at least I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I think there's some All that time stuff. we spent this year grumbling about Angel. Finally. Finally, yeah. <laughs> I mean, on the flip side, I know, I don't think I'm going to not enjoy the episode of Buffy, but it is definitely, I think, a kind of um, moving pieces type of setup for the finale episode. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. Maybe not. I'm sure there's little scenes and things that I'm forgetting about. 
Yeah, I'm so excited. I think excited it's the one it. where Buffy's like catatonic, basically. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, how interesting for us. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Um, okay. Uh, do you have any more pop culture this week? I did. I had. I had two things, and one was like a more actionable helpful recommendation, but I forget what it was right now. So I guess I'll just say that I um, got to play this short role-playing game last night with some friends of mine, and it was so much fun. It was great. We played this game called Ten Candles, and I guess the reason this isn't a really helpful recommendation is because, frankly, I think this is true probably for most role-playing games. You Experience will be a lot better if you have a good, um, basically, like dungeon master you know we weren't playing dungeons and dragons but it's helpful when somebody is really good at leading a game but i played with some friends some were really experienced and some of us were not very experienced and it's just this like one shot role-playing game so it's not like you don't have to set up a lot of time you don't spend a lot of time creating characters the whole thing took a couple of hours and that you know and that's it it's not like an ongoing campaign or anything but it was just super super fun and the it's called 10 candles because you play in the dark and light 10 candles (laughs) And basically, Which seems dangerous. Uh, it was. We were burning pieces of paper as well. It was very fun. Oh. No smoke alarms went off, and we did not set any fires. Um, but they were little tea candles. Sorry, not like tapers um, that could get knocked over. Uh, still dangerous, but not as dangerous. Still a flame. Um, but yeah. But basically, as the game goes on, you are kind of going through this scenario. We were playing a sort of post-apocalyptic one. And as you make certain choices or try and make things happen, you have to roll. And if you're not successful, you have to blow out a candle. And so like that, that helps determine like when the game ends, when all the candles are out. Um, but it was really fun. Yeah. I really, really liked it. And it, it was also, it just had a lot of really cool mechanics that I hadn't, I haven't seen in other games where like also a thing that is really stressful to me about role-playing games is, is the character creation because it always feels like you're really revealing a lot about yourself. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, this is the kind of character I want to play. And I'm like, Oh God, what's everyone to think about that? But in this one, it was very, um, kind of, um, wide angle lens. Like you didn't have to say like, I'm a doctor who was born in this year and I look like this and I do this. And these are my friends. It was more like you just had to throw out some like top line, like, good characteristics and bad characteristics. And then in addition to that, you traded them around the table. So you ended up with a character that you didn't, you didn't come up with the characteristics for them at all. It was handed to you from other people at the table. So I also thought that was really fun because it's, I think it took away a lot of the pressure of like, is this the sort of character I'm going to be good at playing or will I want to do this? Because you ultimately didn't have any decision in it, in that part of it. Obviously you just decide what your character does, but, but yeah, 10 out of 10 would play again. 10 Uh, out of 10 chances to let your apartment on fire. 10 out of 10 chances. They are tea candles, Allie. I've lit tea candles before. <laughs> You're lighting paper on fire. Over a bowl. Okay. A I wooden just, bowl? No, a wooden <laughs> bowl. I'm not crazy. <laughs> I know how to light candles. It did occur to me later that I was like, oh, I probably should have pulled out my fire extinguisher, but we had a lot of water around the table. I don't think it would have gotten out of hand. Because I'm assuming you guys were drinking too. Um, yeah, but not, it did not get rowdy or anything. And the dungeon master yeah. was not drinking because he needed to keep his wits. Yeah. No, I'm just laughing at this. Um, like, I'm waiting for some social media post about, like, new trendy game lights apartments on fire. <laughs> You'd really have to be trying. You'd have to be very uncareful. Like, tea candles are not, like, blowing playing around. it incorrectly as well. Yeah, you're. yeah. Well, I mean, you'd have to just be irresponsible with flames. But, like, if you have candles in your house, you know how to not knock them over, I hope. And they yeah. were in good, you know, tea candles, they were in little holders. So you couldn't just, like knock them over you'd have to pick it up on purpose yeah um but yeah i guess there's the one final 
aspect that is very interesting about the game is, again, as the candles are going going out, it's determining different things about the game. But basically, you can't die until the there's only one candle left. So you can kind of do anything. Like, you can be as, as brazen as you want because you you cannot die until the end. And then in the last scene, everybody dies no matter what you do. So, it's, it's again, it just, like, put these really interesting... I think it was a really helpful, like, introduction to role-playing because this is took away a lot of the pressures of like, what if I make the wrong choice and then I kill everyone because you, you can't, you can't do it. And I, I just really liked that. I thought it was a very good like training wheels, but still really open type of game. Um, anyway, I forget. I really forget what the other thing I had was. So that, that's all I've got. Mine, inv- well, I was going to say involves less open flame, but I guess <laughs> depending on how you interpret it, not so much. Um, <laughs> But I finally watched Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat oh, on yeah. Netflix. I haven't watched oh, it, so. So good. I, I knew about this cookbook. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been on my Amazon cart for, like, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Don't buy it. I haven't it yet. Don't but, buy like, it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just, like, haven't purchased it. But, no, the show, it's four episodes devoted to each element. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. Okay. Like, I want to go to Italy now, and I want to go to Japan again, and I want to go <laughs> Okay. So it's, it's, it's incredible. And I feel like I learned a lot Mm -hmm. and I also like learned some things about cooking that I was like, oh yeah, that's, looks great. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, but also like she is delightful. Like this woman, Samin is like, um, not your typical like white bread, like food host, Mm -hmm. like, which is, you know, refreshing in its own way. But like also like her personality is just like amazingly well suited to this type of show. Mm -hmm. Like she's super friendly. She's super friendly to everybody that she's meeting. She's like super interested. She like obviously is someone who is super interested in trying and eating all of the food. Like, Mm -hmm. The way that she, like, takes a bite of food, I'm like, oh, you, like, love food. Like, and it comes across <laughs> in that. And I I don't know. It was, like, really enjoyable. And then in the last episode, they come back to Berkeley, where she lives. Oh, okay. And, like, the entire episode is basically filmed in Berkeley Bowl. And I have not been to this grocery store yet. Mm-hmm. I've been meaning to go. But, again, it's in Berkeley. I don't always get across the bay. I was like, I have to go to Berkeley Bowl. <laughs> like... Mm-hmm. This is a grocery store that is in my backyard. I need to go check this yeah. out because she just makes it look amazing. Yeah. So highly recommend watching this show. Okay. Even if you don't think that you like to cook, like she'll convince you that you're fine. Okay. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. That's all I got. All right. So we are going to do, like I said, Over the Rainbow and Spiral mm-hmm. next time. Mm-hmm. But for this week, who's your champion? Uh, Team Tara. Yeah, man, she yeah. didn't crack, did she, she didn't. at all? Yeah. I mean, Buffy should really consider how lucky she is. She's two for two on Friday. It's true. <laughs> cracking and giving up Dawn under, like, painful torture. Yeah, yeah. Not that I believe any of them would, but, like... It's true. I mean... It could be hard. Are you? Yeah. Uh, even if you're a strong person, I think things might flip. Mm. Who are, are you agreeing to be Team Terror or you have a... Oh, no, I'm Team Terror, okay. for sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's even a contest, yeah. really. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. I'll talk to well, you next week. Just to establish the uh, airing schedule, because I <laughs> messed it up a little bit. Um, uh, w- we, we have... <laughs> we aired an episode on... The 12th. Uh, the November 12th. November 12th. Yeah. And then we're taking November nineteenth. We'll have taken a break yep. the week of Thanksgiving and then we're gonna have a straight schedule through to the holidays. Yes. 
Yes. And through both of these seasons. So. Yes, we were supposed to skip <laughs> November 12th. We did not. It's all right. Apologies, but hopefully people aren't too confused. But So if it sounded really strange in the recording, I don't remember what references we made to <laughs> yeah. our schedule. But if it was weird, that's why yeah. I messed up. But um, <laughs> we're going to try to not have that happen for the rest of the run. So we've got three more episodes after this. So that'll take us through the end of... November, we're going to skip the week of Thanksgiving, and then we'll go all the way up until the week before the 24th. Mm -hmm. So, I guess the 17th? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, we're almost done with this season. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. I remember when our seasons were like a blink of an eye. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's like, especially with this season of Angel, I'm just like, ha. Yeah. But we're, we're good. We're going to have a good end of the season, I think. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, that said, I will talk to you next time. All right. See you later. All right. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.